When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, this is Evan Lazar. Welcome into the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media and our good friends at betonline.ag. I hope everybody is enjoying this winter storm that we have in New England. I know where Alan Poupart is though, there is no winter storm whatsoever and uh, that's where the Patriots are going to be playing and that's why New England is practicing indoors all week because uh, we have a blizzard here in New England and I'm sure it's what, 80 and sunny there, Alan? Uh I don't know if it's quite 80, it might be high 70s, but uh, we're managing to deal with that. Well, it's funny because I feel like every time the Patriots go down to Miami in December, it's always iffy for for the Pats, especially in the last, you know, five, six years or something like that. I think they're one in four in their last five trips down there in uh, in December. And I think a big part of it is that, up here, it's blizzarding. Down there, it's 75 and sunny, and then we get out to the game on Sunday. And I think over the last couple of years, you have seen, especially the Miami Miracle game, the Patriots around the third or fourth quarter kind of just hit a nosedive. And I'm not saying that the Miami Dolphins don't deserve credit, but I, I do think that the the weather and the heat has gotten to the Patriots in the past. So they've been practicing indoors uh, inside in Power Fieldhouse at their facility all week, probably pumping in some heat and some hot air. Um, but I wanted to start, you know, there's a lot of Patriot angles here, Alan, whether it's with Brian Flores or the quarterback situations with both teams. But I wanted to start with Tua Tagovailoa. The Dolphins were obviously able to stick at their pick. Uh, was it sixth overall or fifth overall? Uh, fifth overall for Tua, thanks. And uh, the Patriots might not be in that exact same situation, but it, it seems to be working out pretty well for the Dolphins so far. Yeah, no question. And the the thing is, though, if we're going to be honest about it, is it's working out in the sense that he's showing progress, uh, as you would hope to see from him, because the hope is that he's going to be the franchise quarterback. But uh, in the meantime, he's not the reason they're 8-5 and five and currently holding the seventh spot in the AFC standings, because it's truly been a team effort. And maybe more than anything, they're 8-5 and five because their defense has been outrageous. Uh, in terms of creating turnovers. And even last Sunday when they really couldn't slow down the Chiefs offense, they did come up with four takeaways against a team that hadn't turned the ball over more than one, more than once in any game this season. So that's some impressive work. Their special teams also have been outstanding. Of course, there was the blip last Sunday against the Chiefs uh, with the punt return allowed for a touchdown, and Jason Sanders with a very rare miss this season, and that contributed to the loss. But by the same token, they still lost by six points to the defending Super Bowl champion, a team that many people would tell you is the best in the NFL this 
season. So, yeah, no, they they they've done a good job of of putting good talent around Tua and allowing allowing him to develop uh, and continue to take a step toward becoming that franchise quarterback. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the special teams, the defense, the turnovers. It, it sounds like a Bill Belichick coach team. You know, it, it sounds like all three phases are feeding into, into one, you know, winning cause. And that's exactly what we've gotten used to up here. It's not necessarily what we've gotten this season for the Patriots, but that sounds like Flores has them playing exactly like Bill Belichick's had New England play for the past 20 years. But st- sticking on to it just for a couple more minutes, I, I just, you know, the one thing I saw in that second half against Kansas City. He did put together a few good drives and things like that, but it seemed like without Devontae Parker, then with Kasicki sort of going in and out at times as well in that second half, that uh, he wasn't as clean as maybe some of the other games that I have seen him play. And I, I was just curious, you know... Where are you seeing the growing pains with Tua, and, and where does he still have a long way to go? Because, you know, I think that from an accuracy standpoint, from an anticipation standpoint, um, you know, he, he's obviously a very poised guy, it seems like, in the pocket as well. Um, but there were some instances, you know, he took a safety, there were some turnover-worthy plays there, put the ball up for grabs. So I'm just curious what you've seen, you know, in terms of his growth and maturation here. Well, as you mentioned, the accuracy has always been there, and it was there at, at... – Alabama, that's kind of his calling card. Um, the one thing, if, if anything, that he's going to get better at with more game experience is the decision-making in the pocket and then making quick decisions. If, if anything, if there's anything he hasn't done, I would say great so far uh, during the time he's been the starting quarterback is, again, making quick decisions and getting rid of the ball. There were a couple of sacks against the Chiefs and in earlier games where they were the, pro- the product of him basically hanging onto the ball and not making a quick enough decision to either get out of the pocket and scramble or, or chuck the ball away. Um, outside of you mentioned the, the Casey game, though, actually, uh, if I may, I, w- I would actually tell you that he actually played his best in the fourth quarter when what Casey was doing was playing off and Tua was very patient and not trying to force things. Yeah. And he wound up, leading the Dolphins to 17 points in that fourth quarter. And to me, it was more, if we had an issue with his performance in that game, it was maybe more the first three quarters, even though he wasn't necessarily the reason they were down 30 to 10. So in terms of the thing with two also is if he can be on schedule, it also helps him tremendously, which is what he was at Alabama. And again, it helped that he had a great offensive line and those ridiculous wide receivers, uh, I mean, the thing we're seeing even more this year with Devontae Smith, who's actually showing, looking to be better than either of the yeah. two guys who were drafted in the first round this year. Um, so the thing with him is when things go off schedule where the, the first guy isn't open, this is where maybe he needs to improve a little bit in, in terms of that. But, again, it's encouraging what he's done so far. Uh, he's got some, some room to grow. But, again, they, haven't need, they have not needed the quarterback's either him or Ryan Fitzpatrick before that, to be honest, to really light it up for them to be successful because of the defense and the special teams. Yeah, you know, it's it's really a fascinating conversation from a Patriot angle just because – 
they don't have a quarterback of the future. The Bills and the Dolphins did what they did with their quarterback situations with Josh Allen and Tua. They look pretty sad for once. It's, you know, the, the situation's kind of flipped uh, where the Patriots are the ones that don't have the QB and the other teams in the division, maybe not the Jets, but uh, the Dolphins and the Bills do have the quarterback. And I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, like I said, the Dolphins, they were able to just stay at five and just take their guy. And I wonder if the Patriots get into a situation where they do need to trade up in the first round to go after uh, their guy in this upcoming draft or the next draft or whenever uh, Bill Belichick decides to invest some real draft capital in that position. And I'm also glad that you mentioned uh, his situation at Alabama because I know a lot of Patriots fans are talking about Mac Jones as a potential, you know, Patriot quarterback. And I would say the same thing about Mac Jones, you know, and you're throwing to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough to tell how much of it is the Bama system, how much of it is the player. I think with Tua, it was a little bit different because it, it was clear that he was a pretty transcendent talent, right? You know, I, I don't know if it's exactly the same as, as Mac Jones, but with, with Tua, I think it was clear that he was a really good play, really good prospect, at least regardless of if he was playing at Alabama or elsewhere. But I, I think that you do have to put some stock in the fact that, you know, it's a different game when you get to the NFL level and everybody is, is got good corners and good safeties and, and you're going to play, uh, good defenses every single week. And even though the SEC is nothing to sniff at, it's, it's not the NFL. So I think that's a, an interesting conversation with those Bama quarterbacks of how much is it really the quarterback and how much is it, you know, the, the, situation around them and I guess with Tua we're we're sort of getting at least a little bit of a glimpse of what it looks like when you take the Bama quarterback and and you bring them someplace else yeah the only thing I I, yeah I'm not sure if I call Tua transcendent okay I I might have exaggerated a little well yeah but the thing because so much of his game is intangible where whereas Joe Burrow Justin Herbert more than any of them yeah I mean he's got I mean he posts a child for a quarterback Ideally, would look like with tall can move and he's got a got a great arm. Yeah. Uh, two was more about intangibles, accuracy, leadership, the charisma that he has, uh, the ability to make quick anticipation throws, uh, and that's that takes a little bit more time, uh, maybe to translate to the NFL. I mean, and there were some throws that flat out that he can't make that Justin Herbert can make. Uh, because of the arm strength, and there's no shame in that, but that's that's who he is. Um, that said, this is why also it also could be why Justin Herbert and even Joe Burrow as well will flash quicker as NFL stars than maybe Tua will, uh, because maybe Tua has to catch up to the to the NFL game from an, a mental standpoint. For his for what he does best to really show up, whereas the other guys can wing their way through some of that because of their their elite physical ability. It, you know, honestly, I, I I was wondering that as well. Now it's going to be my final question to you: is the one thing that I looked at when I watched Tua in college was the arm strength's good, but it's not it's not great. Right. And it's not, and I think we're seeing it even in this, you know, he made that great throw. I know it was kind of on a garbage time drive, but in the middle of the field, uh, on that last drive that they had the ball in the game against the Chiefs, he made a nice throw in in between a couple of defenders. And you do see sometimes, you know, he has the arm to push the ball down the field when he needs to, but it's not a laser, right? It's not Josh Allen. It's not Justin Herbert. Have you seen that? 
have an impact at all in, in just how he's been able to, to operate or, or do you think that he kind of knows his limitations and, and gets away with it anyways? No, he's been pretty good as far as, as managing, managing that. But I think again, yeah, there's certain throws and tight windows and what he makes, what he does to make up for it to a certain degree is throw with anticipation yeah. at times throwing before the break, which was something that we had a hard time seeing from Ryan Tannehill through seven years here. Um, and it was actually quite noticeable that, that Tannehill would not throw until the guy made his break. And we've seen two at times already do that, where at that point you don't need to zip it as much as yeah. you would otherwise. So he's ahead of the game from that standpoint. But, yeah, there will always be – and, again, to me, from the time Tua came into the NFL, if I'm if I'm projecting the best-case scenario as to what he becomes, he becomes Drew Brees. Yeah. I heard – I heard Russell Wilson comparisons. I don't see it because uh, uh, to me he's not as good of an athlete as Russell Wilson. He's not as thick as Russell, Russell Wilson. Uh, but I, I can certainly see Drew Brees. Uh, they're kind of very, very similar in style. So if he develops the way you want him to develop, you've got Drew Brees, which certainly would be fine for Dolphin fans, especially considering how many shots they had to get Drew Brees in the past and wound up not, not going for it. So. Uh, we, we don't have to go down the, the Nick Saban road all over again with uh, Drew Brees, but I, I think that that's a really good point of, uh, you know, just I don't see Russell Wilson with Tua either. I, I think Russell Wilson's got a, a different level of arm, I, I would say, than Tua does. But Drew Brees is not a bad compare. Now, he's a lefty Drew Brees, but he's not a terrible comparison. And I'm speaking to Alan Poupart here of All Dolphins, Sports Illustrated, editor of Dolphins Digest. Uh, been doing it a long time. I really appreciate you coming on with me today, Alan. Let's move over to the other side of the ball. Talk about Brian Flores' defense because, to me, when I watch this defense, I see a defense that Patriots fans were kind of hoping their defense was going to be like this year. You know, forcing turnovers, you know, pushing the envelope, blitzing quarterbacks with those cover zero looks and also not blitzing after they show the cover zero and all that kind of stuff. I believe they, they know, I know they lead the league in cover zero percentage. I believe they lead the league in man coverage percentage as well. So they have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard out there on the outside and, and Flores is trusting uh, his two big money corners to shut guys down and, and he's bringing the house a lot uh, in, in these games. And it's it's really really fun to watch, and a lot of teams I think are going to watch Brian Flores tape over this off season and start stealing some of these uh, blitz packages that Flores has in his repertoire. Yeah, and you mentioned how the Dolphins look like the Patriots. That, that the way the defense was built certainly looks like what the Patriots did in 2018 when they won the Super Bowl with Brian Flores as their de facto defensive coordinator. I mean, defensive coordinator and everything but title, right? And it's a defense built on the strength of the secondary, which allows you to do a lot of different things up front. And, yeah, they invested a lot in that secondary. They made Byron Jones the highest-paid corner at the time. He's since been surpassed, but at the time, to join Xavier Howard, who was coming back from an injury-shortened 2019 season after making the Pro Bowl in 2018. Well, guess what? Now he's even better than he was in 2018. Byron Jones, even though he had, well, actually he finally got his first pick last Sunday after three years, uh, which was the only thing missing from his game. He's very good in coverage, except his ball skills are not necessarily great. But he's been good. And a really great surprise has been Nick Needham as a slot corner second-year player who came in as a rookie free agent who early in the year wasn't was kind of shaky. And all of a sudden, it's 
switched and his coverage has been really, really good for say, let's say the past six games or so. So that gives, and we should also mention the fact they have two safeties or former corners, including former Patriots, uh, Eric Rowe, who has turned in a great year, had his problems with Travis Kelsey last week, but then again, who doesn't have problems with Travis Kelsey? But so, yeah, they're outstanding uh, on the back end in terms of what they can do with their coverage, which allows them then up front to do a lot of different things, as you mentioned, and it's completely the Patriots' blueprint. And this is what it looked like they were they were going for in the offseason, and that's what this is what we're seeing. It's honestly wild how much it's like the Patriots blueprint because you have guys, you know, like Byron Jones and Xavier Howard who are your Stephon Gilmores and you know, your big name corners that, that they have out there. Then Nick Needham, you know, the Patriots are known for kind of finding those diamonds in the rough at the cornerback position. Jonathan Jones, Malcolm Butler, uh, JC Jackson, you know, the list goes on and on. And I know Needham is more of an inside guy in, in the slot and, and he just kind of reminds me a lot of Jones, you know, John Jones, who's, is a really good nickel corner for the Patriots, and you mentioned making their their safeties converted quarterbacks, well they got Devin McCourty in their back end, who's obviously uh, first a CB and now a safety for the better part of his career, really, was only a corner as a rookie, and then they moved him into the middle of the field. The one area of the Dolphins' defense that's maybe not been as good as their run defense, and obviously going up against the Patriots, that's an interesting sort of uh, matchup there. Now, I think it's a lot different when you go up against a team like the Patriots, who can only run the football, you know, because you're not really worried too much about the passing game, both schematically and, and during the week when you're game planning for New England and practicing for New England. It's not the same as when you go up against a, a team like the Chiefs who can, who can throw all over you. You might not worry as much about the run game, but in this instance, it's going to be sort of the Dolphins, how many guys can they put on the line of scrimmage? How much can they hold up at the point of attack against the Patriots uh, when the Patriots know they're going to run the football and the Dolphins know the Patriots are going to run it on uh, the other side of the ball as well? Yeah, and that's the one concern if you go into this game. Well, there are two big concerns going into this game if you're if you're the Dolphins. Number one is is what Belichick's going to do on defense against a rookie quarterback. Right. His, his, his track record against rookie QBs is well-established. And then the, the flip side is, again, yeah, stopping the New England running game. In week one, they didn't do a very good job of it, and that's how uh, the Patriots wound up being able to pull out the win. And even when Newton did throw the ball, he was 15 for 19, as I remember, uh, although his passing certainly has gone south since then. The one encouraging thing is the Dolphins last week kind of shut down the Chiefs' running game, with the exception of the one Tyreek Hill jet sweep that went for a touchdown, they completely, completely shut down Clyde Edwards-Alaire, averaged two yards per carry. So that's encouraging, but there were other games not that long ago where the run defense was a major problem. The Denver game is the one that sticks out. And this is where, yeah, this is a concern heading into this game, where the Dolphins can slow down the Patriots running game, knowing that this is what the pass was going to do. And I would tell you that the Patriots are going to do, I should say. And when the question was asked of Bill Belichick after the Rams game, whether he was sticking to with Cam Newton or Jared Stidham, and I'm thinking here, put on, excuse me, putting on my dolphin, excuse me again, putting on my dolphin fan hat at that point, it was like, oh, please switch to Stidham. Because if Jared Stidham's a QB and pretty much all you have to worry about is his passing, that's that's not a concern. Right. Now, Cam, Cam Newton in the game, now you got to worry about him running the ball. Now it becomes a little bit of a concern. 
Yeah, and, and uh, I watched the back that that first game, and the Dolphins they played a lot of two deep shells in that game, and I I don't think Brian Flores was a hundred percent planning on the Patriots letting Cam Newton loose to that degree. Maybe he knew that they were gonna dabble in the the quarterback runs, but I think Cam ran it fourteen times in that game, and I don't think anybody here in New England or down there in Miami was expecting that. So Flores uh, didn't load the box; he didn't really gear up for the Patriots running game like I'm sure he will this time around but I went back and also watched that Arizona game because you know you look for quarterbacks that are mobile that might run against the Dolphins and Kyler Murray really did run the football extremely well on a lot of those design quarterback runs, whether they were read options or just straight quarterback keepers. And uh, you you wonder, it it looks to me when I watch this Dolphins defense against the the read option in particular, zone read as as it was most of the time with Kyler, it doesn't look like they 100% are on the same page of how exactly they are going to defend it. And and most teams, you know, kind of treat it as two different types of runs. You know, you have the inside running element, then you have the outside running element and some guys are responsible for the outside run and some guys are responsible for the inside run and if you have everybody doing their jobs and not jumping out of gaps and, and overreacting to the fakes and stuff like that you can you can shut it down you know more or less especially at the NFL level with the athletes that they have in this in this defense and just in this you know level of football the Dolphins they've looked like they haven't exactly known for sure how they want to attack zone read or read option type of runs. So I'm really interested to see if the Patriots, uh, I would assume that they're going to test the Dolphins run defense and their quarterback run defense early and to see if the Dolphins have kind of figured that piece of their defense out yet. Totally agree. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Um, Cause I don't think the Patriots are going to beat the Dolphins defense by throwing the ball. So their game plan, I would I would highly suspect, would be an awful lot of yeah, the, the read option and and maybe just straight handoffs. God knows the Patriots have enough running backs from which to choose. So right, but that's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be a challenge for for the Dolphin defense. It's a, it's a totally different challenge than what they face against the Chiefs. Yeah, and then the other and thing. Maybe, go ahead. I was gonna say maybe it'll be nice to not have to deal with like the speed that the Chiefs have with. With not only Hill, but Nicole Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, and all those guys. Right. I mean, that's that's the difference. Is I go back and I watch all these games, and I'm like, all right, well, when you play the Cardinals, you got DeAndre Hopkins, you got Christian Kirk, you got all these. Patriots don't have those types of guys, so is it the same? Even going, you know, that Denver game, they killed them on, on trap plays, which is a big play the Patriots like to run. Just pull the guard to the end and kick the end out and run right right through that uh, B gap or C gap on the, on the left side of the line or right side of the line. And that's all well and good. I can sit here and say, oh, that, that worked. I can, I can have tape where that worked on this Dolphins defense, but you know, the, the Broncos have Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick and, you know, KJ Hamler and uh, a tight end and Noah Font. And, you know, they have a passing attack. They have a team that you have to worry about with that. So although the Dolphins play a ton of post safety coverages as it is and, and cover zero. So they got a lot of guys in the box most of the time. Anyways, it's just a, a different style of what 
they really want to be. And I think the Patriots defense has sort of run into this problem as well this year is that they want to play with five or six defensive backs on the field. They want to play against passing teams like the Chiefs and, and teams like that. That's how they're built is to rush the passer with their guys up front and their blitz packages and to have guys like Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson on the back end to cover. And when you get into these games like the Rams last week where teams can really run on you and lean on you, then that becomes a little bit more problematic. You know, the Rams put two tight ends on the field. They ran the ball a ton. They ran it extremely effectively against the Patriots. And that's sort of been the game plan outside of like a few games. Uh, I would say Kansas City is really the only team and the Patriots did really well against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs really on defense. It was the offense that game uh, that was a disaster as really has been the story of the season. Uh, Houston was really the only team I would say that actually threw on the Patriots effectively this year and Deshaun Watson, besides Russell Wilson all the way back in week two. So I, I am curious, you know, the Dolphins, do they have a running game? Do you think that they can do that with? Because I don't see it, but I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be biased over here either. You, you, you can say it. I mean, they're 32nd in the league in rushing yards per attempt. They were missing their top three rushing leaders last Sunday against the Chiefs. Uh, what to be perfectly blunt, none of them are impact players. Matt Breida came off the COVID list Wednesday. Obviously, he'll be back. But he hasn't made much of an impact uh, after coming over from the 49ers in the, in the trade. Miles Gaskin is on the COVID list, and he's a nice story as a second-year, seventh-round pick, who last year basically got a cup of coffee in terms of playing time. This year, he, be, he basically became their feature back. And he's got some ability, but in, a, in an ideal world, Miles Gaskin is your backup. He's not your feature back. Uh, and this is what the Dolphins are dealing with. Their offensive line, also a good story, much better than was last year. They're starting three rookies with Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Solomon Kinley. But when you start three rookies, pretty much 99% of the time, you're going to go through some growing pains. And their offensive line, while, again, exponentially better than it was last year is still not great. Let's say it's workmanlike, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of big holes being open in the running game and you don't have running backs who make a lot of things happen on their own. So there's a reason, again, they're, they're 32nd in the NFL in rushing yards per attempt. And complicating matters this week is they have injury issues at wide receiver a position where they also have a lot of players, but not a whole lot of impact players. So, and you mentioned Mike Gesicki earlier, I believe, and now he's got a shoulder injury where we can't get any clarity from Brian Flores as to his status for this week. It's all we'll see. He's working hard and all that. But if you saw the injury, really, really hard to envision him playing against the Pats. Devontae Parker pulled a hamstring or had a hamstring injury against the Chiefs. He came out in the first half, did not return. Um he practiced on a limited basis Wednesday, so hopefully he plays. But then if he plays, he's carrying a hamstring injury. And then, so who else do you have left after that? Uh, now you're looking at guys, Jakeem Grant, who's more of a return specialist, and, and then a shovel pass receiver, gadget play type of player on offense. He's also got a hamstring injury that knocked him out of Chiefs game. And then the rest of it was a wide receiver core is – Rookie Lynn Bowden Jr., who played multiple positions at Kentucky. You have uh, Mac Hollins, who was signed as a special teams 
standout, which he is. He's very good on special teams, but more so in the receiver. And then you have one of the guys being talked up as being able to make a major contribution is Isaiah Ford, <laughs> who you may remember from his three weeks with the Patriots after they acquired him in a trade with I, the Dolphins. I he knew he play, was. He didn't play it down for the Patriots. I knew he was not going to last year when he got up here and he said, it is freezing. I need a winter coat. You know, what am I going to do? And I just said, look, I, I, I'm sure he's a fine football player. I'm sure he could make an impact on a team that needs wide receiver help. But this guy does not seem like he wants to be in New England right now. <laughs> well, no, but he played at Virginia Tech. So, I'm, I'm, so he's not like – he's from Jacksonville, played at Virginia Tech. So he's not as like he's not like he's never been in the cold before. And the thing about Isaiah Ford, and I know Dolphin fans are thinking, well, Isaiah Ford's going to come and rescue the, the the passing game. And I like I like Isaiah Ford. He's a really 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 nice kid. And he might be in the league for ten years because he's got a great attitude. He works hard. Doesn't say yeah. anything. I like the product, but he's not an impact player. And right now, this is what they have: their wide receiver core. If Parker doesn't play. They have nobody who's going to really scare the Patriots defense. And if you you throw out you, Jasicki also doesn't play. I mean, who makes things happen on this offense on Sunday? So that that's a big problem. That's sort of what I was looking at it too. I think the Dolphins. I think I, I'm not picking anybody. You know, the Patriots to beat anybody right now. But I do wonder with all the injuries that they have at their skill position players, a lack of a running game, uh, how much Tua is really going to be able to to generate offensively. But he might not need to generate much at the defense is turning the ball over and, and getting three and outs from Cam Newton and the Patriots offense. Before I let you go, Alan, I do want to go quickly through uh, the ex-Patriots, former Patriots that are now in Miami. Miami and just uh, get an update on how those guys are doing. You mentioned the offensive line. Ted Karras was one of my favorite guys to cover in the New England locker room. Just a really great guy. Uh, I'm wondering how he's doing as a football player, though. Uh, he's a good guy. I think, I think he's done solid. Nothing, nothing outrageously good or bad. Uh, and that, that's a lot of times. That's what happens with offensive linemen. Is usually you, if you don't notice them, they're doing a, they're doing yeah. a solid job. To me, a telltale sign at some point is going to be he signed a one-year contract, which means if they don't re-up on me, he becomes an unrestricted free agent again next spring. And the Dolphins have locked up other players who were set to become free agents. They have not done so with Ted Karras yet, which to me indicates, I don't know what it indicates. I would think if they were really, really happy with his work that they would you know, take care of that issue Sooner rather than later. So, um, so that said, I don't know how, how much of an indicator you want to you want to you want to imagine that to be. Uh, again, he, to me, he looks like he's been solid. Nothing, nothing great. Nothing awful. It's interesting because he turned down a two-year deal from the Patriots to go sign for one year in Miami to start in Miami because here in New England he was going to back up David Andrews, and so they gave him a. The Patriots offered him a two-year deal with about the same guaranteed money, kind of, but just over you know two seasons, and, and he decided to take the deal in Miami and go be a starter. And and I, I totally understand that kind of bet on himself that that he could put starter level tape out there for two seasons in a row, and, and then hopefully reset his market again and get a little bit more. Because going into free agency, I, I know his camp thought that he was going to get a whole lot more money than he ended up getting in the open market, and thought that he might get a 
multi-year deal, and the Patriots are really the only team offering him that, but they weren't offering him the opportunity to go out there and start necessarily with Andrews coming back after missing the season. The, the other guy I wanted to uh, ask you about is uh, Kyle Van Noy. I know he, he missed a game against the Chiefs uh, with an injury, but uh, he was a really ascending player here in New England when they when he left, and I think it, as much as the Patriots have sort of made up for it with Chase Winovich and Josh Uche and some of their recent draft picks, it, it was uh, disappointing from my perspective to see them find a player identify that how to use him properly when he wasn't being used properly in Detroit and then see him leave in free agency all granted for a lot of money uh, how have you seen him play this year it's been, it's been solid and the the injury thing was weird because he played against Cincinnati two Sundays ago ended up getting three sacks five tackles for loss tipped the ball that was intercepted wins AFC play defensive player of the week Shows up on the injury report with a hip injury. He's listed as questionable going to the game, and everybody's thinking, oh, he'll play. And then the inactive list comes out, and he's not playing. So that was kind of weird. That certainly didn't help against the Chiefs, although uh, Jerome Baker took a lot of his pass rushing duties against the Chiefs and wound up going with, for two and a half sacks, including that crazy 30-yarder uh, in the first quarter. Uh, but going back to Van Noy, no, he's, he's a Brian Flores favorite, I can tell you that, because – Number one, he's a veteran leader. He's one of the oldest guys on a very young team. Uh, he knows the defense, obviously, and he also he plays a multitude of roles at linebacker for the Dolphins, which is why he's usually the guy who's going to be on the field the most among the linebackers. So he's a he's a key ingredient of that defense, uh, and I would say he's had a, a solid season. Really smart, cerebral player, you know, high football IQ player. I think a lot of people don't give him enough credit for for that aspect of his game, his ability to line up on the line of scrimmage or off the line of scrimmage and, and be able to do all of it. Last one, Landon Roberts, I, he was injured too, I think, against Kansas City as well. But, uh, you know, the old school thumper, you know, downhill guy, can really uh, lay, the, lay the wood. Uh, what have you seen from Landon? Uh, great in run defense, not necessarily that great. And coverage. Story of his career, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. No, but the Dolphins have made, I believe, it's three fourth and one stops over, say, the past two months, and he's been in the middle of it pretty much every time. Uh, and he's made plays. He's not getting a ton of snaps, primarily, I guess, because of his uh, coverage shortcomings. But when he's in there, you usually feel him. Uh, so, and again, based on what we expect the Patriots to do, uh, on offense on Sunday, I would expect if he's able to play, he he participated on a limited basis of practice on Wednesday if he's able to play Sunday. And I should mention that like Van Noy, he was listed as questionable for the Chiefs game and on Sunday became inactive. If he's able to play against the, the Patriots and he holds up physically, I would expect him to get a lot of snaps and play a key role because, again, we're expecting the Patriots to run the ball a lot. And as a run defender, he's been, I would say, pretty good. Well, Alan Bupar, I thank you so much for coming on. And is there anything that you want to uh, tell people where to follow you, uh, anything you're writing for this game this weekend that any Patriots fan should be looking out for? I'm writing everything and anything for this game. I mean, there's, go to si.com slash NFL slash Dolphins, and you will see a ton of coverage every day. It's four or five stories a day, breaking it down, everything. I got. I came up with this looked up and very, very unique that I found that maybe interests only me, but I, I thought it was crazy that 
the past 13 Dolphin matchups, Dolphin Pats matchups before this one, the Patriots were the favorites. That streak is ending this week. The Dolphins are two-point favorites. And in fact, it's 33 of the past 34. Think about how crazy that is. Uh, and the only time that that wasn't the Dolphins were the favorites before before this week was in 2013. If you remember, the Dolphins won 24-20 with safety Michael Thomas five days after being signed off the 49ers practice squad, intercepting Tom Brady in the end zone to seal the win. So that's one of the things I wrote about Tua and the challenge of facing a Bill Belichick defense. So, again, everything and anything about the Dolphins this week and about this matchup will be on, on the website, all Dolphins. Uh, on the SI network. I absolutely believe that. And uh, that's why I had Alan on because I knew he would deliver the goods. And I, I really appreciated Alan. And uh, in terms of the Patriots not being favored in this game, it's uh, disappointing as a fan, but it's uh, obviously, you know, justifiable as somebody, an objective observer into this game. And uh, it's interesting times here in New England to say the least. Uh, this is, I think, even maybe even worse than, than some people expected. It's even better than other people expected with, you know, the year after Tom Brady. So it's kind of falling exactly where I think it should fall, you know, when you lose a quarterback of that caliber and you kind of try to hit the reset button on your franchise. Uh, on com, you can read my story about Nikhil Harry that I posted today. He's obviously been in, in the news and, and been a lot of attention on him and his status moving forward with the Patriots. So I, I wrote all about Nikhil today on uh, my Patriots game. Game plan, which goes over uh, some of the things that me and Alan discussed about this game on Sunday against the Dolphins. Whether you want the Patriots to win or lose, you know, so a lot of people want the Patriots to lose at this point to better their draft standing uh, moving forward. But uh, Bill Belichick is going to try to win this football game. I-, I can guarantee you that he is not going to roll over. So we will cover the game like they're trying to win. We will have wall-to-wall coverage on Sunday from the home base, unfortunately, as we have been all season. But uh, on CLNSmedia.com on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass. And then we will be back next week on Patriots Beat to break down Patriots Bills, Monday Night Football, another game against a potential playoff team for New England in the division. Uh, This is just weird. It's just weird. It's so backwards at this point for me. But that's the way that's where we're at. And it's uh, it's not a bad thing. Well, the Patriots will get out of it. But it's fun to watch that Dolphins. It's a nice change. I'm sure it's a great change for everybody else. I'm sure it is, and I'm sure he's rolling, Alan's rolling his eyes at me right now as I'm saying that it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't like it, but. It's a great sort of way of looking into it because I think the Dolphins and the Bills have both sort of done a really nice job of, of kind of rebuilding their teams for the long term and not just building teams that are going to be good like they have in the past for maybe a flash, you know, for a season or for a stretch of games. Uh, these two teams are really building something in their two organizations, and that's what the Patriots will obviously be trying to do again uh, moving forward. But until then, signing off for my guest, Alan Pupar, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening.